Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. It was the summer of the year 2000, and the movie The Sixth Sense had come out on DVD, and it was blowing people's minds. How many of you remember the first time that you watched the movie The Sixth Sense? Let me see your hands. The rest of you are just way too holy for us others in the room because you don't watch those kind of movies. Spoiler alert. No, that's not just the name of the series. I'm telling you, I'm about to give you a spoiler. So, spoiler alert. I'm about to give away the plot twist for this movie. So, if you haven't seen it by now, it's what, 19, 20 years old? You're never going to see it. So, don't even worry about plugging up your ears. Just enjoy me telling you this so that you can catch up with the rest of us, okay? So, matter of fact, the rest of the sermon, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to reveal a lot of spoilers. So, just, just buckle up and be ready. I remember that there were a bunch of us uh, on staff at the university church in Tampa that we had gathered. It was the end of the work week, and we had gathered in the reception area by the front office doors. And we were all just kind of sitting in there. Some of us were standing around. We were shooting the breeze, just talking about our weekend plans and and what we were going to be doing over Friday and Saturday. And uh, I remember my pastor that I was working for at the time, Pastor David, he came walking down the hallway carrying his computer bag on his way out the door. He was, he was heading home, and, and he stopped at the receptionist's desk, and he put his computer bag up there, and I noticed that there was a Blockbuster DVD in his hand. And I said, Pastor Dave, what's, what's in your hand there? And he said, oh, it's The Sixth Sense. Everyone has been talking about this movie, so I picked it up today from Blockbuster. And uh, you remember he had to take it into his office because you couldn't leave them in the car because they would melt, right? You know, so he took it into his office. And, and so now he's carrying this, this DVD home and he says, yeah, Amy and I are going to watch this movie tonight. And no sooner than the words came out of his mouth, our minister of music, his name was Mark, and Mark just blurted out. He said, oh, wow, that's a great movie. He said, I can't believe that Bruce Willis is dead the whole movie and the little boy sees ghosts. He sees dead people and he's the only one that can see him. And my pastor just picked up his bag and just walked out the door. Didn't say a word. I stood up. I looked at Mark and I said, you're an idiot. And I just went to my office and we all just kind of left him there looking, looking dumb. How many of you know people that just spoil the ending of movies and TV shows? Anybody? You know people like that? Um, This is factual. I know this to be true. Um, Alexis, my administrative assistant, she has actually unfollowed someone on Facebook one time because they kept posting what happened on episodes as it was happening and she was DVRing the show. And so she just decided, I'm I'm not going to submit myself to that anymore. And she unfollowed that person. And so if you're that person, I'm sorry. You earned it, though. You're the moron, okay? Um, I, I like how Isaiah, the prophet, said it in, in 33 and 1. He says, woe to thee that spoilest. So woe to you who spoils for the rest of us. So woe to you. I remember watching Star Wars for the first time as a kid. And if you don't know me, Star Wars is my favorite trilogy of all time, the original Star Wars trilogy. And I remember as a kid just being amazed at lightsabers, the Death Star, the sinister Darth Vader. And of course, this young kid by the name of of Luke. And I really thought, man, Luke's got a shot at the princes. You know, this this thing may work out. Then in 1980, The Empire Strikes Back came out. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We found out that Darth Vader was actually Luke's father. 
Anybody remember finding that out for the first time? <clears throat> the rest of you, you just read this and, and you've caught up with the rest of us because you don't care about Star Wars, but you know that much. And, and then the Return of the Jedi came out and spoiler alert, we found out that Luke and the princes were actually brother and sister. Boy, that would have been awkward, right? If that whole thing would have worked out and Luke and Leia would have, yeah, babies come out looking like Jabba the Hutt and stuff, right? So, yeah, yeah. So all of this information became common knowledge to us. These are just the things that we know. There's no surprise to them anymore. Now think about this with me. Think about it, because I was thinking about it this week. For the most part, we are spoiled at how it, these real life stories in the Bible, how, how they end. We're spoiled to this information. Just by a show of hands, I'm just curious today. I just kind of want to take a, a, a hand poll here. Um, how many of you grew up in church or you've been in church for more than, than 10, 15 years? How many of you? I have most of the room. There's, there's a handful of you in here that, that maybe you didn't grow up in church. And to be honest, I, I love that. I mean, that, that's really the whole reason why we planted Destiny Community Church because we just wanted to reach the unchurch. And so... For those of us that have been around this thing for a while, you have to understand that there's certain biblical stories, true life stories, but yet they're still in the contents of the, of the Bible that we read, and many times we already know the ending. And so the ending is spoiled for us. We already know what the outcome is. And so for some of you that you get to read it new, firsthand, I envy that a little bit. I envy that you get to experience the miracles and, and, and you get to, to see it. You get to, to, to witness it like, almost like you were there because for the people that were in these pages, it was brand new to them. They didn't have the opportunity to read ahead, to know the end of the story. And so for a lot of us, when we show up for church and the pastor says, open your Bibles, and, and we know where he's turning in the Bible. We, we know that Noah and his family, they're saved on an ark. We know the outcome of the flood. We know what that looks like. For others, we know that when the Israelites get to the Red Sea and they're trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, we know that Moses raises the staff of God and, and the Red Sea parts and they walk across on dry ground. We know that. We know the end of that. For, for most of us in the room, we know that when the, the Philistines were on one side and the Israelites were on the other side and this big giant of a man comes out and taunts them, Goliath, we know that God sends a young shepherd boy by the name of David with a slingshot to take this giant out. We know the end of that story. When we read the Old Testament and we read about the, the Messiah that is coming, the one who will save Israel, the one who will eventually save this world, we know that his name is Jesus. They did not understand that. They didn't know that. But we know ahead. We know Jesus is the Messiah. We also know that he died on a cross, he was buried, and that he rose again three days later. We know that. And so it's spoiled for us. And when I 
mention turning your Bibles to these familiar passages, you already know that ending. But for the actual people that were living it, they had no idea what that end looked like. They didn't have the information neatly compiled and bound in a leather book like this. Or, or they didn't have the Bible app at their fingertips to read these stories. They were living it out in real time. This series is going to lead us into Easter. And each week, what we're going to do is we're going to read the end first, because we already know it. And so we're going to read the end first, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to see how we got to that ending. Because I believe there's some significant things and significant events and, and things that transpired that helps us understand a little bit better how we got from here to here, and I think it's important for us to understand it. And so today, I want us to start in Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to read one verse out of Revelation, and then I'm going to turn over to John chapter 2. So Revelation chapter 1, I'm going to start reading at verse 18. Revelation 1 and 18. Jesus is speaking, and, and here's the ending. So, so spoiler alert, here's what we're talking about today, okay? Revelation 1 and 18, Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. Say he is alive. We know that, right? We know he is alive. And so he says, I am alive forever and ever. And don't miss this. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. That's what he says. I hold the keys to death and Hades. And so there, there's the spoiler. Jesus is alive and he has the keys to death and Hades. So you know where we're heading. Now let's see how we get there. In order to grasp the importance of this statement, we must go back to the beginning of the ministry of Jesus three years before his death. Three years before he would die on a cross for our sins. Let's go back to John chapter 2 and read verses 13 through 22. It says, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. How many of you know what an Easter egg is? I'm not talking about, you know, those 20 million eggs that we will stuff for the extravaganza. I'm not talking about the, the Easter eggs that the Easter bunny hides and then little children come and find those eggs. And if Easter eggs and Easter bunnies offend you, don't show up for our Easter extravaganza. I'm just letting you know you're going to walk away very offended because um, there's like 20,000 eggs there. So you're, you're just stay away. We'll find somebody else to fill your spot. But, but 
I'm not talking about those types of Easter eggs. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say there were, there were Easter eggs in that movie? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, a little bit more than first service, so I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you for understanding. But for the rest of you, let me explain to you what I'm talking about, and then you'll get it. You'll be like, oh, okay. And so in the world of, of TV and cinema, an Easter egg is a joke or a reference that is cleverly hidden in a scene. And so you, you are watching for it, maybe you know ahead of time, or maybe you don't know at all, but you see something in this, this TV show and scene, or maybe in a movie scene, and it, and it jumps out, and you're like, oh, I know where, that, where that's from, or I know who that is. And so, for instance, let me give you some Easter eggs out of, out of some famous movies. How many of you have ever watched Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, spoiler alert, okay, at the moment when Indiana Jones finds the Ark, and he, he's before the ark. If you're watching that scene closely, there is a pillar that is in front of him with hieroglyphics on it. Etched in there with those hieroglyphics, you will see R2-D2 and C-3PO. For you Star Wars fans, go back and watch this. It is there. I have verified it. it it's noticeable right there. So you'll see it. That's an Easter egg. They kind of slipped this thing in there, and, and, and you found it. And so, Or you didn't find it. I told you about it. Now you get to go find it. So there it is. Uh, the great Alfred Hitchcock in the movies that he would write and direct, he made cameo appearances in 39 of his movies that you would just see him walking by carrying something or walking a dog or something like that. Um, some of you are fans of a more recent director, M. Night Sh um, yeah, and um, Sh Shyamalan. I'm going to try and say it like that. You know who I'm talking about, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he did The Sixth Sense. You know, he's, he's, he's that guy, Unbreakable. Um, what's the new one? I can't remember the name of the new one. Yeah, that, whatever that one is. And, and so you, you, know, you, you know this guy. You know this guy. Well, if you watch closely in his movies, you'll see him walk by in a scene or maybe play a small little cameo part in one of those, those movies um, with, with a, a classic. I mean, this one is a classic. I love this movie. A Knight's Tale. Anybody ever seen A Knight's Tale? Where I think you actually get to see A Knight's Tale in the movie, I mean, if you watch it. But in A Knight's Tale, there's this, this scene where he gets this new and improved uh, uh, armor, lightweight armor. And, and if you look closely, the, the, the person that created the armor for him put a little Nike check right here. A little Nike check right there. I don't know how much Nike paid to have a little Easter egg in that movie, but that's what Easter eggs are for. And Pixar films. I know Deanna's a huge fan of Pixar films. Pixar films are filled full of Easter eggs. Go check it out. You'll love it. So Jesus, long before he wanted to make his intentions known, he did not want to let the cat out of the bag too soon. This is three years before his death. Jesus dropped an Easter egg at the temple. He lets us get a glimpse of that first Easter. And nobody knows what he's talking about. In verse 19, it says, he answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. And they look at him and they say, really? It took 46 years to build this temple, and you think that if it's destroyed, you can raise it back up in three days, and he doesn't even correct them. It's just like he dropped this little hint, and he says, I'll just leave this right here, and in three years from now, you'll figure out what I'm talking about. Here's this Easter egg, I'll just leave it right here. The importance of this verse is that in three days, he will raise up this temple. Why 
three days. Don't miss the significance of this. Throughout Scripture, the number three represents perfection. If you know me, I have studied the numbers of Scriptures. I'm fascinated with that stuff. And, and when you see a number repeat itself many times, there's always a meaning behind that number. And so anytime you read the number three throughout Scripture, it represents perfection. Uh, like this, during his ministry, Jesus raised three people from the grave. From the dead, he raised three different people, the widow's son of Nain, the daughter of, of Jairus, and, and his friend Lazarus. And, and the significance of this is that he did this to show his perfect power over death. Jesus has perfect power over death. We know that Peter denied Jesus three times, but Jesus gave him the opportunity to repent three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. Then feed my sheep. Three times he gave him the opportunity to repent. On the cross above Jesus was a sign that said, King of the Jews. It was meant to be uh, sarcastic, but it was written in three different languages. They had no idea the perfection they were bringing to declaring him the King of the Jews. Peter had three visions to convince him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 11. And then in the Godhead Trinity, we know that there is one God represented in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bringing perfection perfection to the Godhead. There were three times that the Father's voice testified from heaven of his Son. The first we find in Matthew chapter 3, it was at the baptism of Jesus. And that was a testimony to the Jews. And then the second time was at the transfiguration to Peter, James, and John. The voice from heaven spoke to them about what was about to happen in Luke chapter 9. And then in John chapter 12, there was a third time that a voice from heaven spoke about Jesus. And this time it was for the Gentiles. It was for those who were, who were not Jews. And, and in verse 30, Jesus even says these words. He, says, he said, that voice that you just heard, he said, that voice was for your benefit, not for mine. He knew who he was in God, but someone else needed to hear who he was in God. So three times in the Bible, we hear God speak from heaven, giving his blessing on, on his son that was walking this planet, bringing perfection to, to who he was. Peter listed three steps in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He says, you need to repent you need to be baptized, and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If you want to be complete in what God has for you, there are three things that you must accomplish. Christ began his ministry at the age of 30, and we know that he died at the age of 33. So I'm just doing the math in my head here, but how many years is that? Three. Yes, you are correct. Three years. This was a perfect ministry fulfilling what had to happen for the forgiveness of our sins. Three times in Scripture, Jesus predicts that he will rise again. Once again, declaring his perfect dominion over death. And so it only seems appropriate that Jesus would be raised from the dead on the third day. Not the second day. Not the fourth day. The Bible didn't say a couple of days later or even one that's a, a, a little bit uncertain a few days later no it was three days and it was three days for a reason and for a purpose 
And when you get this in your spirit today, you're going to understand what God is trying to do in your life and the perfection that he is bringing to you. We know that Jesus died and was buried on the first day, being Friday. We know that he was resurrected on Sunday, being the third day. So the first day, third day. But what happens on the second day? Why would God hesitate? Why would God wait? It it, it seems like this would not be important. If anything, it would show that, that maybe he had to work up the power. They needed an extra day in there to make this thing happen. I mean, he's crucified on Friday, the first day. We know that he will rise again on the third day, but but what is so significant about the second day? What happened on Saturday? What was so important? In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, give us a glimpse of what happened. Verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Now listen to verse 19. Now that he's alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Oh, I don't have time to get into all this today. This will get very deep and and theological quick. Okay, so just just bear with me just for a moment. Let me just kind of throw this out there at you and maybe it'll make sense. Jesus, on the second day, he went and proclaimed freedom from death to those who had served God faithfully before his death. Have you ever wondered what happened to the Old Testament saints? We know that Jesus says this in the New Testament. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If that's the truth, then what happens to the Old Testament saints who didn't even know Jesus? They were waiting on the Messiah. Jesus has not yet been born. It will be hundreds, if not thousands of years for some of them. So where do they find their salvation? They were faithful to God. I mean, it, it, it would seem like an injustice to me for, for Abraham not to make it. Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament even testifies of the great faith that he had. It tells us that he was a man that trusted God, had faith in God. Wouldn't it just be a tragedy for Abraham not to make it to heaven if Jesus is the only way to heaven? And he never had the opportunity. He didn't walk this planet at the same time that Jesus did. It it would just be horrific for, for him not to make it. Or what about Moses? Moses followed the call of God, led God's people out of bondage, out of Egypt. And and led them to the promised land. And sure, I know he hit a rock when he wasn't supposed to and he didn't get to see the promised land. But still, let's let that slide. The man needs to make it to heaven, right? I mean, that's important. It's tragic if he doesn't make it to heaven. Let's think about David. King David. A man after God's own heart. How can a man after God's own heart not see the streets of gold? How can he not see Jesus? Heaven wouldn't feel like heaven if they're not there. I want to have a conversation with some of these guys. I want to talk with them. I want to ask them what life was like 
I want to see what details we didn't get about their struggle and their life and their deliverance. And what you have to realize is that the importance of that second day is that the righteous, they were redeemed on the second day. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 16. He kind of gives us a glimpse as to, to what happens after death. In verse 19, he says, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Throughout these verses, we know that there are two different places for the dead. There is a place for the righteous and there is a place for the unrighteous. We know that one place is, is, is full of, of torment and we know that the other place was a place of comfort. The rich man and Lazarus were in two different places. And the place for the righteous the Jews refer to it as Abraham's bosom, or as the text told us, Abraham's side. In other words, you're near, you're close, you're pulled in close to Abraham. In Hebrew, they call it Sheol. And the righteous are in a place called Sheol, just resting in a, in a peace, finding comfort there. But apparently that wasn't good enough for Jesus. Because he knew that his father is preparing a place. He promised his disciples, he said, if I go to this place, we're preparing it for you. He said, but I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself. So we know that for the righteous in Christ, that's what we find. But what about these people that just served God the Father? They obeyed the Holy Spirit, but they just had not yet experienced, didn't have an opportunity to experience God the Son. Death and resurrection was not enough for Jesus because it wasn't yet perfect. And some of you, you've gone through life wondering, well, how does all of this work together? If, if there are these Old Testament saints that, that deserve heaven, but yet they, they never had that opportunity, how do they get there? And Jesus answers this question for us that, that if it just would have been two days, there wouldn't have been the opportunity for him to go and fight and take back the, the keys to death and Hades and, and to, to, to get what, 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 what he wanted for his saints, what he wanted for these, these, these children of God. And so we needed three days for perfection. Jesus had some unfinished business that there were still righteous saints that were awaiting judgment in Sheol. Jesus Refused to do anything halfway. He, he, in his mind, he had to think, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to save those that call upon my name and those that were before my name. I'm going to make sure that I figure that out too. And I'm going to fight for them so that on that resurrection morning, we all get to enjoy heaven together. He didn't leave one stone 
unturned during those three days. As a matter of fact, when the one stone that mattered the most was turned, perfect salvation was provided because it was complete in three. I love how the psalmist said it in Psalm 16, verses 9 and 10. He said, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. He says, I know, God, that you will not leave me there, that you will bring me to complete and total salvation. And the Holy One will not see corruption. The fact that Jesus took the time to fight for the keys to death proves his perfected love for humanity. So with all of that said, let, let me kind of put this in, in layman terms for all of us so that you can walk out of here and know that he's not finished with your life. Imagine with me that my daughter comes home from college and she needs brakes on her car. I go down to the local auto parts store and I buy everything that, that we need. I buy new rotors, I buy brake pads, and because I'm not a mechanic, I know nothing else of what to say to you right now, but just pretend like I know what I'm doing. So I buy everything that I need to fix her brakes on her car. We jack the car up in the driveway. I begin working. I take off everything that needs to come off, and, um, and, and I replace everything. But I started late in the day. It was late in the day, so I'm losing daylight. And, and by the time I get everything put back together on the car, and, and, and I just take the lugs and I just finger tighten them just enough to lower the car and now I'm looking for the lug wrench where, where did I put the lug wrench I don't know where the lug wrench is at oh well it'll work it's almost fixed right it's almost perfected can you imagine me handing the keys back to my daughter and just saying, hey, have fun, enjoy, enjoy your ride? This happened to my brother one time, my oldest brother, when he was 18 years old. He was somewhere uh, on Highway 19 uh, between Chiefland and, and Crystal River area, probably near Lebanon Station in that area. And, and he was, was uh, driving his car. He had just got new tires put on his car, and they had finger-tightened the lugs but did not get a lug wrench and, and tighten it down. And he hits a railroad track, and as he hits the railroad track, all four tires go flying off of his car. <laughs> True story. It happened. I told my mom and dad, I said, why didn't you sue? We could have all had new cars, you know? True story. It really happened. Wouldn't it be an uh, irresponsible father for me to hand the keys to my daughter knowing that I had not completed the task? Wouldn't it be an uh, irresponsible God to save our souls and then just quit caring about anything else? Some of us, we're going through life and, and, and our soul is saved. Praise God, we've put our trust in Jesus. But you know this feeling as good as I do. Okay, Lord, you saved my soul, but, but what about the rest of me right now? Because it is no fun when you're going through life and it feels like it's incomplete. When you're going through life and it feels like God didn't quite finish the job, 
Like there's still something, God, that you've got to do. And you start saying, God, why? Why is my marriage in trouble? We trusted you. Why are my finances falling apart, Lord? I trust you. Why is my health in decline? You promised that you would give me life and give it to me more abundantly, but, but Lord, you did the work at the cross, but, but what about everything else? It's just not right. You're, there's something missing here. God, where are you? And I'm so thankful that God's not afraid of our honest questions. They don't scare him. I've been there many times in my life where things, things were almost right. But there was just one key element that was missing. And that one key element has the potential to mess everything else up. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's that one lug that's loose, right? I don't have time to get into it. Some of you have heard the, the testimony of this before, but I, I remember with us leaving Tampa to move here to plant Destiny Church. I remember what, what happened in our lives and, and it was like everything was falling into place. We had a place to worship. God was sending us people. It seemed like everything was working out, but there was this one problem that there was a house in Pasco County where we lived and it would not sell because the week we moved here, the market crashed. Everything fell apart. We went into a recession and I couldn't give that house away. I was willing to break even. Couldn't give it away. I went to the bank. I, I begged the, the, the banker. I said, listen, if you will sell it on a short sale, whatever the difference is between the, that and the original loan, I said, I'll, I'll take out a personal loan with your bank and I'll be responsible for that. 15 20,000 whatever it is if you'll just short sell it I, I was I was trying everything and they they wouldn't do it Now i'm not happy to tell you this but but some somebody needs to hear this We lost that house Couldn't we drained our savings we lost the house we couldn't afford it any longer Living up here and paying for an empty house down there and we lost the house and I think we are ruined We have we have done such a great job of protecting our, our, our credit and, and, and our finances and now we're just ruined long story short in the 12 years we've been here we haven't built one house we've built two houses we had no problem getting financed when God was ready for us to get financed we got financed but you don't think that for, for a brief moment in my life I look back and I say, God, why? Everything else is, you, you've done all this. Did you put the house on the back burner and forget about it? Well, God, it's bowling over right now. Somebody needs to pay some attention to what's on the back burner. I need your help with this. God, where are you? And the whole time God's just sitting there going, it's really not, not troubling me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I'm, I'm not concerned about, you think, that little mark on your credit is going to ruin what I want to do with you through DCC? 
Do you think that whatever it is that God wants to do in your life is going to be hindered by whatever hasn't quite worked out up to this point? God is a God of perfection. I love the way that Paul said it in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. That he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. If you research that word, it actually means perfection. That he who began a good work in you will see it come about to perfection. Whatever God has started in your life, he will perfect Whatever God has started, that that marriage, that it, it does not seem very hopeful right now. It seems hopeless. That marriage, God will bring it about to perfection. That relationship with your, with your estranged relatives, God will bring that around to perfection. That career that is going down the tubes quick, God will bring it to perfection. God has never failed. And Jesus stood there on that day, three years before his death, and he dropped this little hint. He said, you may tear this temple down. You may destroy me. But three days later, I will rise again. And during those three days, the devil is not going to know what hit him because I'm taking back what rightfully belongs to me. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.